And what Bill Johnson said once, he said, I believe the Holy Spirit is in me for me, but he's on me for the world. And there is a dimension that we can touch today on Pentecost Sunday to do with God on us, God at work in us, upon us and through us. And I think there might be a hunger in many of us to experience this, to live with this, to live with a constant expectation that God is in us and with us, in me for me and on me for the world. There's a reason why we celebrate Pentecost Sunday and we're going to do it today. We're going to step into it in Jesus' name. Thanks for that beautiful worship, guys. Fantastic. Excellent. Wonderful. Great. Just might get somebody to wind up the, that thing, one of those. Oh, here we are. I'll go down there. Is that where I go? I went to the wrong spot. You're in the right, you're in the right spot, but I was in the wrong spot. Here we go. Got it. Great job, bro. All right. Terrific. Just want to echo the thanks to the team from the church to, who came to Vanuatu. Uh, on behalf of the people at the other end of that process, the ones whose children are being educated and blessed and the villages. And so good to hear you went out to, to the village, to the places where the people live and get an understanding of, of why we're there. And uh, why as a church and ourselves as a, a group, a network of friends, why we are there helping and ministering to these families. In fact, um, it's touching thousands of people now in Vanuatu. Uh, John recently did a major youth event partnering up with a group in Vanuatu and uh, they were getting about 7,000 per night out to the meetings over those four nights and it was just simply outstanding, the thousands who came to Christ through that. Pentecost, what's it all about? What, it basically began in the heart of God where in Exodus chapter 23, he, he's talked about what you, could, what you could basically say were mandatory feasts. And there were three in particular that worked together in uh, the book of Exodus 23. God commanded a thing called the Feast of Passover, unleavened bread, where they would celebrate their deliverance out of Egypt. And this is in the book of Exodus, and it's immediately after they came out of the um, dominion of Egypt where they'd been for so long as slaves in that nation of Egypt and how God passed over their people and set them free by the blood of the lamb and all of the beautiful pictures there and he then wanted them to remember that forever and it was mandatory for them. The second feast which was a mandatory feast was what was called first fruits or Hebrews call it some you pronounce it something like Shavuot which means Pentecost. We have the word Pentecost because our Bible uses Greek as a foundation language, but basically it's Shavuot. It's the first fruits, the first harvest bought before God. And that was always 50 days after the feast of uh, Passover, unleavened bread. That's the Pente, like the Pentagon has five sides, Pente is five. Pentecost is 50 days following the Passover. And the third one, of course, was the Feast of Tabernacles, which was at the end of every year where they would ingather the last of all of the ingathering crops of the year and they would have another feast. Pentecost was the day that God had chosen in his great plan to place his Holy Spirit upon his people. This wasn't like 
an idea that came after he made the feast. It wasn't like, hey, that'd be a good time to do it. I think I'll do it on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't anything like that at all. It was that God always had in his heart that he wanted to be in us and upon us. He, even from the time we were created, he wanted, he wanted to stand before our face, lighten our lives, be the glory of our lives. That was always his plan. And so here we have a beautiful story in the scripture about Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. We celebrate the day of Pentecost with the understanding from the scripture that that was the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out and it was the day that the church was born. Jesus said, I will build my church, my ecclesia. But there wasn't such a thing yet. It started on the day of Pentecost and it started, was birthed by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. As a young person, I lacked strength. I lacked the anointing of God on my life. I did my best to live a Christian life. I knew that God loved me. But I had so many weaknesses as a young person. When I was 18 years old, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and I understood the empowering of God coming upon an imperfect vessel, yet filling that vessel to overflowing. And it was a life-changing thing for me. Let's begin with John the Baptist. Here in John chapter 1, verse 32 through 34, he says, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon Jesus. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, the Spirit of himself spoke to John the Baptist and said, This one who you are going to baptize, and when you see the Holy Spirit come upon him, you will know that this is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. It was right there in the plan right from the beginning. And remained upon him twice, he said this. And the, this is important. The Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove, but the Holy Spirit remained upon him. Remained. The Greek word there is menu, which means took residence, resided on him, stayed on him. Some people say, well, I don't know if there's any need for any other experience other than our salvation. And this has nothing to do with, with one experience or the other, or if you haven't got this or if you haven't got that. It is God's intention, as it was with his own son, who was born of God. God himself chose to place his Holy Spirit and power upon him. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And so it's exactly the same for us. It's beautiful. It's not as though, look, I got saved and that's all I need. God has such a big plan here. It goes beyond ourselves and it comes to God on us, God in us, God on us. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, again, the apostle, I'm sorry, the John the Baptist was saying, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It was all promised there. It's ours, promised 
that this is what Jesus would do. Sometimes you wonder what it was like for the apostles, the disciples, in the gap period there from this sort of statement till they saw him on the cross. And those great triumphs that was prophesied through John the Baptist, they must have looked at that cross with Jesus on that cross and say, well, well, how can that happen now? How can these things come to pass now? Even though Jesus had said so many times that it was prophesied that he would rise again on the third day. But he did. And he did baptize them. And he said, the Father will send the Spirit in my name. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I remember that Jesus said, when he said he would send the Spirit, the comforter, the paraclete, the one who would be called alongside to help of us, help us. He said, he shall be with you and he shall be in you. He's talking about two distinct parts of your life. These are distinct parts of you as a person. There is that which is within you and there is that which is upon you. God who is with you and God who is in you. Sometimes you sense his presence with you, but you always know he is in you. Any person who comes to Christ, his body becomes his temple temple of the spirit of god that's for sure he's in you but here we have the with you dimension that um, the lord wants us to understand now jesus was speaking about this experience in luke 24 now we come to the book of luke and we understand that luke was the author of both the gospel of luke and the book of acts i'm going to show you how the beautiful language of dr luke meshes between what he said in the gospel and what he said in the acts of the apostles luke 24 verse 49 jesus said i send the promise of my father upon you but tarry in the city of jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high endure clothed sinking into a garment of power this is what he was saying there's a garment that's going to be placed on you and it's a garment of power stay in jerusalem until you have been endued with power from on high so then in acts chapter 1 verse 4 again now the resurrected jesus is speaking echoing the same words from verse 4 and 5 being assembled together with them he commanded them not to depart from jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the father which he said you heard from me for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Baptized, submerged, overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We're getting hold of some words here. In me for me, on me for the world. The book of Acts dr luke the one who wrote it and recorded it now he records the further words of jesus in acts chapter 1 verse 8 and you shall receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in jerusalem in judea samaria to the ends of the earth the furthest city from jerusalem the very farest city from jerusalem is christ church new zealand Christ church isn't that great <laughs> to the ends of the earth you'll take my gospel you'll make me known this ripple of the gospel will go out from you right where you are further and further to the very last places of earth and what's it called Christ church I like that that's really great you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit 
comes upon you. Come upon you. Epikomai, to come suddenly. I like Greek words because sometimes we don't have the full picture. We can say, come upon you. You think, well, what does that exactly mean? What's that word epikomai mean? It means to come suddenly. There's an English word that no one uses anymore. It's called supervene. And to supervene is like something which changes everything. All previous experience, all previous understanding is carried up in this experience of when he comes upon you. You may remember when the angel Gabriel came to Mary in Luke chapter 1. Again, it's Luke. It's Luke's story and he's using the same words. He said to her, blessed are you, you have found favour with God and you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you'll call his name Jesus. In Luke 1.34 she said, how can this be because I've never been with a man. And now in verse 35, Gabriel speaking to Mary about bringing forth Christ. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Epikomai, supervene everything. This will go beyond your past experience, all of your past knowledge. This is something that he does. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And I think it must have been so powerful for for Luke when he wrote this in Acts chapter 1 now. The same words, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Not only did Gabriel say the Holy Spirit will come upon you, he says, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is born, who is to be born, will be called the Son of God. Episcatio will overshadow you. This is the word envelope. And what the Holy Spirit was going to do with Mary was to envelope her in himself. It can actually mean to be enveloped in a, a, like a cloud of glory. But the picture of a letter being put into an envelope is beautiful, isn't it? Imagine if the Holy Spirit could get hold of your life and you're like a letter and he puts you into an envelope and seals it up and he is that envelope. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is really like. It's you in him. Him all over you. Baptize you. Beautiful word, baptized, because it's to be overwhelmed, fully submersed. And this is what Gabriel was telling Mary would happen when the Holy Spirit comes. He will come upon you. He will overshadow you. It's so powerful when the Holy Spirit comes and you are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Life-changing personal experience. The understanding that God far greater than you has clothed you with himself and with his power. And so it was in Acts chapter 2 that exactly what had been prophesied came on that exact day. It says in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Why do they say was fully come? Well, you know, in, in, um, in Israel, a day begins at sunset. Soon as the sun sets, the new day comes. But when it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that means it was the next morning when the light of that day came. With Israel, always the darkness began the day and the light fulfilled the day. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, around about nine o'clock in the morning, sun's up in the sky on the day of Pentecost. The night time had passed. The sun had arisen. And it says they were all in one accord in one place. The word here is like a symphony. Their prayer was like one breath before God. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So the first thing that was filled was the environment of that house. The Holy Spirit can do this. He can fill an environment. Early this year in February I was in the Philippines. And place after place where we went, the Holy Spirit came and filled the environment up to 70 people at a time instantly being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sound like I've never heard in my entire life. Things I've been praying for and wondering why it never happens. And there it was, every place we visited, everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit. Baptized, speaking. Then I say, well the word says you can... You can pray in the Spirit. It also says you can sing in the Spirit. And I tell you what, when you've got a church full of people who are, who are instantly, powerfully baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking heavenly languages and begin to sing, you feel like a thousand angels join in. Awesome. The place was filled. This word was pleru. Because there's two things were filled here. The first was the house and the second was the people. When the house was filled... Luke used this word pleru. What's the word pleru? It means jammed full. And it's actually the word you would use, it was used for Jesus when he told them to throw the nets over the other side of the boat. You know, they hadn't caught any fish. Throw them over the other side and it says, and the, the nets were full to breaking point, pleru. I don't know if you've ever shown your kids Finding Nemo. <laughs> you may remember the part where Nemo's in the fish net. <laughs> Sometimes up at the bay when they've been catching the mullet, I've seen them picking up these nets out of the ships full of, full of fish. There'll be like one or two tons of fish in each net. And the thing is that that's pleru. There's no room for anything else. It's just fish. <laughs> and they just, I wouldn't like to be a fish in a net. They're all trying to wriggle around and, and they're just no room for anything. And the Holy Spirit came and he... Pleru, he filled the house. There was no room for anything but him. Imagine that atmosphere. And they were, there appeared on them like tongues of fire, sitting on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now when he says they were all filled, he doesn't use the word pleru, he uses the word pletho which actually means a storehouse overflowing with fullness. It's like a storehouse that is overflowing. It's to be fully equipped and furnished and supplied. That was the fullness that was on them. And even the languages they used didn't come from them, it came from that supply. The miracle thing that commenced didn't come from them, it came from the supply that God filled them with. It was God himself, his supply, him as a person, the Holy Spirit, fooled with him. He's the one who was speaking through them. Fantastic. When you pray, it's not your mind that's praying. It's not your soul that's praying. It's not your body. It's not your thoughts. It's the Spirit praying within you. 
And how many times, I prayed with a dear friend of mine who's in hospital in Sydney at the moment and just doing tremendously, recovering from a massive cancer. And I said to him at the end of a long talk just a couple of days ago, I said, let's pray now, we're going to pray in the Spirit. And something happened as a connection in the Spirit between him and me. He could hardly speak when I was talking to him in the beginning. And when we finished that prayer, his voice, I said, listen to you, listen to you, Rob. His voice was clear, crystal clear. He broke into tears. He said, this is unbelievable. This is the Holy Spirit here with us. When you pray in the Spirit, when you pray in tongues, you can be thinking about what you're going to have for dinner. It's not, it's not about something you make up with your mind. It's the Holy Spirit praying through you. And the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. It was Him. It was His words. And what did the people hear as, as this went out over all... I, I believe it entirely that the sound of it was noised over the whole of Jerusalem because I was in that environment in a Presbyterian church in the Philippines earlier this year where the sound was like amplified from heaven, where it shook that town, tiny little town, shook that town with the power of the Holy Spirit. And what did the people hear? They didn't hear the words of these people's wisdom. They heard them speaking the mighty works of God. Wow, fantastic, awesome. Now, it wasn't only for them, because when Peter stood up and preached, he mentioned a passage in the book of Joel, chapter 2, where it says that it shall come to pass. This is fulfilling the, God, this is fulfilling the prophecy of Joel, who said, it will come to pass after those days, says the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions upon my handmaidens, upon my servants. You see, there was no gender here. It wasn't for just for men. It wasn't just for women. It wasn't just for Jew or just for Gentile. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It was the evidence of God pouring out his Holy Spirit. You get to when Peter, in Acts chapter 10, something happened that nobody expected. God now poured out his Spirit on the Gentiles. And a beautiful process here. In Acts chapter 10, when he was called to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius was an Italian man, devout man, a man who prayed and God actually heard his prayer and visited him and his house and sent, you know the story, sending Peter all the pictures of that. And here in verse 44, Peter went down to Cornelius' house and he said, while he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them. All of those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. This is the Jewish people were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. A lot of people get caught up on what is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. What is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? There's charismatic understanding which I have absolute respect for. Charismatic understanding is that every person who is born again has the Holy Spirit indwelling their life. I believe that 100%. When it comes to the gifts and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they don't believe necessarily 
that you will speak with tongues you may get some other gift and I've seen this I've got friends I've got a one of my best friends has a charismatic Baptist church and there's people there have not yet spoken with tongues but have been doing other incredible things in God and every month they have an upper room experience in that charismatic Baptist church young people their youth on fire for God because of that (coughs) Pentecostal belief is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is evidenced by speaking with other tongues as the initial evidence so if you looked at your church's statement of faith which is our Australian Christian church's statement of faith it'll be that we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as evidenced initially the initial evidence speaking with other tongues that's our Pentecostal position on this because that's how it was in the book of Acts it doesn't matter that much which way you see it what does matter is do you believe that God wants to fill you do you believe that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and so here it was in people who no one believed that they could be no one thought that God was going to have anything to do with anybody but the Jews and here he was baptizing them but what's this this wonderful promise of the of Joel the prophet now it's happening upon all flesh now we think about worthiness sometimes when you think about God doing more or something great or wonderful on your life you one of the things that comes in is oh, I don't know if I'm worthy of the I don't know if I'm good enough for this I don't know what, you know it's like doubt about yourself look at what Luke wrote here and while Peter was speaking these words the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard them now he didn't trip over and fall on them he didn't sort of make an accident I'm sorry about that I fell on you no this was so deliberate and the word is so powerful I'm sorry about all the Greek words here because I can't even pronounce them properly but I do know what they mean fell upon them epipipto that's one of my favorite Greek words because it sounds so funny epipipto only a Greek could come up with a word like that and I'm sure if you watched my big fat Greek wedding you'd find out it came from the Greek (laughs) epipipto Holy Spirit fell upon them oh it was it was actually a powerful word when Paul, when Peter had to explain what happened to the apostles in Acts chapter 11 verse 15 he said in Acts chapter 11 verse 15 as I began to speak the Holy Spirit fell on them as upon us at the beginning then I remembered that the word did I say Paul this is Peter not Paul the word of the Lord how he said John indeed baptized with water but he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit fell upon them just for me for my sake Luke used this word in another place epipipto fell upon them Luke chapter 15 he's been speaking about the prodigal son how he lost everything he blew it he was a mess he was a loser and a failure and he finally came to his senses and said if I go back to my father's house at least I can be a slave a servant there and he arose and came to his father but when he was still this is Luke 15 verse 20 still a great way off his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran to him and fell on him and kissed him same word epipipto do you know what it means 
It's the embrace of a father. It's that hug of affection and love. Epipipto, the father's love fell on them. It's not about how good you are. It's not about whether you've had everything together. It's not about whether you've had a failure in the life that you can't forgive yourself for. It's not about whether you have never seen yourself as having a lot of value. It's your father who loves you and embraces you. And I knew the night when I was 18 years old, which is more than 20 years ago, believe it or not. I knew how much my father loved me. I was bursting with him. Loved me so much to place something on me that I could never do for myself. A power to run with. A power that was on me. A fire that changes your life. Holy Spirit fell upon them. Epipipto, the embrace of a father. So we're coming to the end of this. I actually made the mistake of not looking at the time when I started, so... I reckon it was 35 minutes ago. I'm nearly, I'm nearly, don't keep going. <laughs> I'm thinking about my lunch. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Thinking about having an, a different kind of a feed. Let's get to the end of it here. Acts chapter 19, verses 4 through 7. And here, Paul is now at Ephesus. I love Ephesus. We'll be back in Ephesus in October. Ephesus. And Paul said, John indeed baptised with a baptism of repentance. This is Paul now. This is not Peter. This is Paul who met Jesus after the whole baptism in the Holy Spirit and everything. John indeed baptised with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him and would he who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. The purpose of this, I think the purpose was made really clear, this promise of the Father. This baptism in the spirit and fire. This which would give power to be witness for Christ in our own environment and right out to the ends of the earth. The purposes are clear. God on us. In you for you and on you for the world. He wants to give us power. He wants to give us personal authority. Under him. Under his hand. Under his anointing so that we can be a witness for Christ. God's purpose was that we would, and it's an unchanging purpose, that we would go and we would heal and we would preach and we would make disciples. The promise of Jesus was unchanging, that we would receive power to be witnesses for him. And when you read the writings of the scripture, one of the ones that stands out so much to me is Ephesians chapter 3, which talks about that we would know who we are that we would know how much we are loved and that we would know the power that works through us 
know who we are in Christ, know how much we are loved, and that we would know the power that works through us. In verse 16 of Ephesians 3, he says that you'll be strengthened with all might in your inner man. In verse 20, he said that according to the power that works within us. God's purpose for you is to fill you. There you go. What's God's will for your life is to fill you, to overflowing. That you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. You may not be aware of it. You're probably aware that we're probably the only church, the only nation in the world with a born-again Christian spirit-filled prime minister. Our little nation of Australia. But you might not be aware of what's happening around the world with the church which is answering the call of the Holy Spirit. Half of the population of the nation of Mozambique are spirit-filled Christians. The population of Christians around the world is shifting dramatically through Asia, through Africa, through South America, where it's just flooded with hundreds and hundreds of millions of people who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Don't you worry about it. God has his hand upon his church. God has his hand upon you and me. And he wants us to carry that flame of the Holy Spirit. And we can say boldly, it's not even me. It's not me. It's not me who can heal the sick. It's not me who can testify for Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who is upon me and within me. In me for me that I may fellowship with him. Upon me for the world that they may fellowship with him. So let's pray. I I drive the musicians crazy sometimes because I come up, they do the right thing and I keep them going for another five minutes or ten minutes. But wow, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Great job. What's your name? Laura. Laura. Great job, Laura. Thank you. Let's, Let's stand up, shall we? Ah, yes. Get yourself a bit thirsty. All the way from Isaiah to Revelation, people were crying out. Is anyone thirsty? Jesus cried it out. If you're thirsty, come and drink. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And he spoke this of the Holy Spirit. It was about to be given to them. Best place to start is with a thirsty heart. That God may be in you and on you. Lift up your hands and close your eyes and just be in a place to receive. Pentecost. Sunday, 2,000 years of this. So many centuries of darkness. So many centuries of deadness in the earth. But the flame, the flame of the Spirit came. Light this fire in my soul, Lord. But I can't contain it. 
I need more of you, God. I need more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul. I can't contain, I can't control. I need more of you, God, more of you. More of you, God, more of you. Give me a greater thirst for your Holy Spirit and your fullness. Baptized in Jesus' name.